We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Let's dive into today's episode. We are going to talk about literacy. And if you're like me, you're noticing that print is becoming a larger and larger part of how we communicate with others. I would not be surprised if we begin communicating with others more through print than through speech. Every year, print is becoming a larger part of how we communicate, either personally, socially, within our community, professionally. So print really matters. And as an SLP, we want to be highly effective at literacy intervention as a result. So let's talk of today about dialogic reading. And we're going to talk about the five prompts in dialogic reading. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background before we go into dialogic reading. It was developed in the early 1990s by an eminent researcher known as Grover Whitehouse. Now, Grover Whitehouse has, has a lot of power in the field and the fact that he has implemented dialogic reading across many public preschools and also across many Head Starts and lower income preschool programs. So there is an evidence base to support dialogic reading and it indicates that children that do the dialogic reading approach have a better expressive vocabulary than those who do not. There's also some research to indicate that three to five-year-olds with communication impairments benefit from dialogic reading. Now, that said, I'm going to tell you about my own personal experience with dialogic reading. I've observed dialogic reading done well, and I've observed dialogic reading done not so well with children with communication impairments. So let me explain. When dialogic reading was done not so well, there were too many questions being asked. It was just question after question after question after question after question after question. And as a result, when there's a group of children with communication impairments, those that were good at answering questions were answering all of the questions. They were all in. But those who were not good at answering all of the questions, who had developmental language delays, who had poor auditory processing, those who had a small verbal working memory, those who had poor word retrieval, these children were checking out of the book. They were like lying down, rolling on the ground, looking out the window. So that's dialogic reading not done well. We're going to talk about how to do these five strategies well. 
when dialogic reading was done well, there was an emphasis on engagement in the story. And the emphasis was on having the children enjoy the reading experience, commenting more than questioning. And there was inflection and change with the voice, with the facial animation, with the rate of the reading. So the book was really treated like a toy. And the questions, they weren't presented as questions so much as they were presented as comments with the questions embedded within them. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. And what I found when they're done in that manner is you're going to see that all of the children are engaged in the reading. And those who catch the WH questions embedded within the material, they are still responding to the questions. And at the same time, those with poor auditory processing skills are still captivated by the reader who is using a lot of visual reference, a lot of multimodal cueing, a lot of exaggeration, of facial expression, of vocal expression. This reader is keeping everyone on the carpet engaged regardless of their language skills. So that's what we wanna do when we're doing the dialogic reading. So the ultimate goal of dialogic reading is that the child is the storyteller and the parent or the reader becomes the audience. So there's that passing of the baton that happens that we love so much because self-efficacy occurs when the child takes on the role of the teacher and they know that they're in charge of the book reading experience, that they're in charge of their learning, which is everything with the children we work with. So let's talk about Grover Whitehouse, this eminent researcher of our time, who has really changed the way we've done literacy at the preschool level and has implemented the dialogic reading approach across preschools across the United States, particularly preschoolers that have Head Start populations or lower income populations. And the research, once again, does show that dialogic reading improves expressive vocabulary. So let's look at the acronym CROWD, which are the five techniques involved in, alpha, in dialogic reading. So the C stands for a completion prompt. Speech-language pathologists are good at this. Twinkle, twinkle, little, and the child finishes the end of the sentence of the phrase. The next letter is the letter R, and that is a recall prompt. So with dialogic reading, the recommendation is that you read the same story to the child multiple times. And then after that, you can give these sort of prompts to recall what happens in the story because the child develops this expertise on the story. And the child's going to be able to take on that baton and be like, I know the story. It's automatic. I have a lot of experience with it. So when the child child has the story, then you can ask the child a question that's an open-ended recall prompt, which I like to embed with, I wonder. So you can say, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. Now you've read this story 20 times with this child, but you're playing dumb and being like, I don't remember what's going to happen next. And then the child's going to tell you because they're going to recall from a previous reading. Or it could be a recall from something that already happened in the text. So you can say, 
Hmm, I forgot. Where did he go again? Where where was he before he went to this? Oh, yeah, you're right. That's where he was. He was at home before he came to the zoo. I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. So we have the C, which is the completion prompt. Then we have the R, which is the recall, recalling from the previous reading the story or recalling something that happened earlier in the book. And you want to embed that in a, in a, as a WH clause, not as a question. And I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen next. I wonder where they're going to go. I wonder who he's going to see. So, and that's going to be based off of previous readings. The child has some expertise in this. The child can answer that question. You are becoming the audience member. You're becoming the listener and the child's the storyteller. So the next technique is the letter O, and those are open-ended prompt. So open-ended prompts, you can look at the clues in the story and maybe point to the pictures and you can say, hmm, I wonder what's happening in this picture. Hmm, I wonder why he's so sad. Hmm, I wonder what time it is. Do you, I wonder what time of day it is. I wonder if it's the morning or if it's the nighttime. And then you these open-ended prompts in which the child is taking up all the clues in the story. And then the child's able to describe what is happening at that time in the story. So the next one is the letter W. And these are the WH questions that really help the child focus in on what's important in the story. So it could be, for instance, it could be a person. Hmm, I wonder who's hiding the present. I wonder who has the birthday present. I wonder who it could be. Or it could be, a, you want to just let them cue them into where we're we're focusing on a person here and we're giving different clues to guess who the person is. Or if it's a location, I wonder where the present is. I wonder where they put the present. It could be anywhere. So you're giving them that clue as to clue into a person or to a place or to a time or to a factor or relationship by asking by what WH question you're embedding into your statement. So of course you can emphasize the WH question. So you can say, hmm, I wonder who has the present. So you can make it, you can overemphasize it by making it longer and stretching the word out and changing your voice, making it higher or lower, quieter or louder. So the next one is the letter D. This is known as a distancing prompt. So how do you bridge that book to the child's personal life? So you want to think about something that's happening in your the child's life. I wonder if you're going to get a present when it's your birthday. You got a present on your birthday? Oh, what? What did you get? Oh, I wonder who gave you that present? Was it your mom or was it your grandma? Wow. So you're connecting the story to the child's personal experience through, dis it's known as a distancing prompt. You're creating a bridge for that to cover that distance. 
So these are some cues that we're going to use the crowd prompt. And my main recommendation with a crowd prompt from what I've seen just qualitatively, this research is supported through my own clinical experience in supervising numerous graduate students as they read books to groups of children, primarily three and four-year-olds, that have developmental language delays. And the mistake I've seen them made is quizzing over commenting. So take those questions and I encourage you to place them into a comment form. Another thing we're really gonna do if the child has developmental language delay is to think about multimodal cueing. So what I mean by multimodal cueing is go ahead and use the visual reference in the book and also incorporate objects around as well. So go ahead and bring in some props if you'd like to or point to things into the environment to help the child to understand. So think about moving beyond the book, kind of like the same way we think about moving beyond words and using your gestures and using props and real objects and using visual reference to help them understand and using the pictures and the print. So really think multimodal when it comes to using the crowd technique. So think, what can I give you aside from words? I'm going to make this a multimodal experience. I'm going to ask less questions because like when you play Jeopardy, if you're not good at answering the questions, it's not so much fun. If you are good at answering the questions, it's a great time. A lot of our children with developmental language delay are simply not great at answering questions. So if you want them to check into the book, if we want to engage them in the story, it's very important to turn those questions into comments. Embed them as WH clauses instead of presenting them as WH questions. So that's where I'm going to take you with the crowd technique today. I want you to go ahead and experiment yourself. You can use the crowd technique and ask lots of questions, or you can use the crowd technique and embed those questions as clauses and give them comments instead. And see for yourself the difference in interaction that you get with a single child or a group of children with developmental language delay. I would put my money down that you're going to have a much better interaction for commenting over questioning. All right, so I want you to just take all of this information and do what you do, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time and you are always first. Just...